0: Today we celebrate the Lord's Supper with our homebound members. As we participate in the Lord's Supper here, some of our deacons are in the homes of about 45 of our homebound members. I always look forward to this service because we have a number of people who can no longer attend church, but they love the church, they pray for the church, and this gives them an opportunity to participate with their church family As we partake of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper historically has its roots in the Jewish Passover. And in the Passover there were three basic components. There was bondage. The Hebrews were in bondage to the Egyptians into forced labor. The second part is deliverance. They began to cry out to God asking God for deliverance from their slavery. God heard their prayer. And at the burning bush, he met Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of bondage, which he did. The third component is celebration, the celebration of their deliverance. The Lord's Supper has those same three elements in it. There is bondage. We were in bondage, but our bondage is a bondage to sin. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. So we also were in bondage. We are in bondage to sin. But Jesus Christ came to deliver us from our sin. That's the reason the cross is so important to us, because The scripture says that at the cross, Jesus took all of my sins, he took all of your sins on himself, and he paid for our sin that we might be forgiven, that we might be free. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 5, Paul wrote, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So as we look at the Lord's Supper, there are three parts to it. We were in bondage to sin. Jesus paid for our sin that we might be free. And then there is the celebration of the freedom that he provided. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll begin reading in verse number 17. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, in order that those who are approved may have become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The church in Corinth was an interesting church. It was laced with problems. Paul mentions that in verse number 17 when he says, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. So as Paul is addressing the church in Corinth, He is speaking about the scandal of worship that was common in that church. And then he reminds them what true worship is supposed to be. He said, as we come together in true worship, first of all, we look back, verse number 2. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firm to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So Paul calls upon the church at Corinth to remember the traditions that had been delivered to them. One of the issues I think we face today is that we set aside or we ignore the traditions that have been passed on to us. As a result of not knowing our history, we do not know who we are as a people. We need to be mindful, we need to be reminded of the traditions that have been passed to us. As I thought about that, I thought about some of the traditions I grew up with. I grew up with a tradition that the Bible is the Word of God, that it is the infallible, inspired Word of God. It used to be said that the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it, and as time went by, That was changed from the Bible says it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. But I believe the Bible is the Word of God. That is the tradition that was passed on to me. Another tradition passed on to me is that a believer should be faithful in attendance, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but we are to be faithful in our attendance. I grew up on a farm. I remember those Sunday mornings. When we would get up early, feed the chickens, milk the cows, do all those things one had to do in order to be at church on time. I remember my mother cooking on Saturday, cooking our Sunday lunch on, Sunday, on Saturday, so she wouldn't have to do it on Sunday. Because all the day was supposed to be in honor of the Lord, a day of worship. That was a tradition that I grew up with. Another tradition that I was taught as I grew up was tithing. I was taught that by my father. My dad told me that everything belonged to God. And when we tithe, we are simply acknowledging the fact that everything already belongs to God. So whenever I I look at my life and I look at the traditions that have been passed on to me, they have become more precious to me as time has gone by. So Paul says that real worship, we look back to the traditions that have been passed to us by those who preceded us. And then he said we look up in verse 3, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. And Paul is saying here, that Christ is preeminent. It is not my likes or dislikes that are really important, nor yours. It's Christ. I struggle sometimes with the idea that some people believe that in order for me to worship, the service has to go like this, the music has to be this. Well then, ladies and gentlemen, if that's your spirit, then worship is not about God, it's about you. I can worship the Lord in a charismatic church. I can work up the, worship the Lord in a, in a liturgical church because it isn't about me. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says we look up and, and remind ourselves that Jesus is preeminent. It's about Jesus. It is not about me. It is not about you. And then he says that we look in as we stand before God in worship asking the question, am I in a right standing with him the church was scandalous in its worship it was divided in its fellowship verse number 18 he says for in the first place when you come together as a church I hear that divisions exist among you and in part I believe it the church was at Corinth was badly divided he was divided over leadership. In, in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, or Peter, and I of Christ. So they had people that they accepted as leaders, but then they rejected the others. And there were some who would not accept anyone as a leader. They said, We simply follow Christ. They were divided over doctrine especially the doctrine concerning spiritual gifts. They were divided in fellowship. In verse number 20, he says, Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. You see, there was a division in the fellowship of the Corinthian church. And those who had much, they enjoyed the much that they had, and those who had little, did without because there was no sharing in the fellowship so as i look at this passage of scripture there were problems within the church and here paul gives to us the most descriptive and instructive account in the bible concerning the pattern for the lord's supper for the celebration he says it's a remembrance in verse 25 in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The word remembrance means to consciously, to call to mind, to think about. It is a memorial. It is a remembrance. That's what the the Passover was. It was a remembrance. The last plague that God sent to the Egyptians was the death of the firstborn. That included the Jews and the Egyptians. The angel said to the Hebrews, take a lamb without blemish, sacrifice the lamb, take the blood and put on the doorpost of the house, and when the deaf angel sees the blood on the doorpost, then he will pass over, he will pass over that home. The Lord's Supper is foreshadowed by the Passover, and he is the Passover lamb. Jesus is the Passover lamb, the lamb who was slain. The bread that you will receive represents his body. In chapter 10, verse 16b, is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ. So when the elements are passed and you receive the bread, it symbolizes the broken body of Jesus the juice symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus in chapter 10 verse number 16 is not the cup a blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ the juice symbolizes his shed blood I know that today there are those who want to ignore or reject the teaching of the blood of Jesus the blood atonement but we cannot 1 John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we ignore the blood, then there is no redemption. There is no cleansing. If we ignore the blood, then there is no salvation. So we cannot. We are cleansed by His blood because His blood was perfect. There was no sin to contaminate it. Judas betrayed the Lord, and then he said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Innocent blood. Pilate examined Jesus, thoroughly interrogated him, and then Pilate came before the crowd and said, I find no guilt in him. John wrote, in him there is no sin. You see, the reason for the blood of Jesus is that his blood was perfect his blood is perpetual in its cleansing effect. In the Old Testament, the priest had to offer sacrifices again and again and again year after year after year. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice once for all. So the Bible says in Hebrews 7:27, he does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. The blood of Jesus has a perpetual cleansing power. He cleanses in perpetuity. The blood of Jesus is powerful. Mary Baker Eddy, founded Christian Science, wrote, The material blood of Jesus is no more able to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon the cursed tree than when it was flowing through his veins. She was wrong about that. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, we remember. And then there is a proclamation in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he We remember the sacrifice and we proclaim it. What is the message we proclaim? What is the message of the church? His death. That he died on the cross and rose from the grave. That is the message. The mandate, we proclaim that message until he comes. That is the message and will be. The message of the true church of Jesus. The promise of the return of Christ is mentioned over 300 times in the New Testament. It is the blessed hope of the believer that Jesus is coming again. So there is the preparation for the celebration. It is a remembrance and it is a proclamation. Then there is preparation. We are to prepare. It begins with examination in verse number 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The word examine means to prove, test, approve, to prove, with a view to approve. Did you notice that this is to be a personal examination? Let a man examine himself. I'm not to examine you, and you're not to examine the person seated next to you. You examine yourself. And you examine your attitude. Verse number 27 Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the the Lord. He is not saying that we are worthy, he said, in an unworthy manner. In other words, our attitude has to be correct. Vines wrote, treating it as a common meal the bread and cup as common things, not apprehending their solemn symbolic import. Then there's a warning in verse 29, for he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. Now, I, I take the Lord's Supper very seriously and that's the reason. He said, because some of you, have not had the correct attitude in the participation of the supper. Many are sick. Many are sick. Some sleep, which is a euphemism for death. Some have died because of it. Now here's the promise that he gives in verse number 31. If we judge ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. So if I judge myself rightly, which he tells me to examine myself, if I judge myself rightly, then God does not have to judge me. Verse number 31, but if we judge ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. God disciplines his child, but he does not condemn us to death. Here's the consideration, verse 33. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. When you come together, Paul used those two words five times stressing unity see that's the thing that's so important as we come together in the Lord's Supper it's true for the church of the Lord but when we come together there is to be unity we are united in place we are united in spirit that's one of the things that so blesses me is the great unity that is within this church body that there is a sense of oneness of love towards one another And I hear that probably as much as anything when I talk with people who are not members. I visited the church, and I was so impressed by the love that the people have for one another. Then he says, wait for one another. Whether one is rich or poor, old or young, we are to be considerate of each other. The Lord's Supper is a time to look back to honor the traditions that have been passed on to us. It is a time time to look up and see the Passover lamb who was slain for us. It is time to look out and see a world that is lost and needs Christ. And it is a time to look in to ask the question, how am I in my standing before the Lord? In just a moment, we're going to give a brief invitation for you to respond to. If there is a commitment that you need to make I encourage you to make it today. Our Father, I pray your blessings upon this time. I pray, Lord, for those who need to make commitments to you that they would do so. I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as the choir sings, you come. I'll greet you as you do. said, therefore, to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Our Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus gave his life, that we might have life. In Christ's name, amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Our Father, we thank you for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus by which we are cleansed, blood that is perfect perpetual and powerful, understanding that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In Jesus' name, amen. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's stand as we sing together, please. television, we thank you for being with us today. We trust that this
1: service has been so meaningful to you as you've shared the Lord's Supper with us. Father,
0: we thank you for this time that we could share together today. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, as we go, may we just
1: simply say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. you so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.